When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. In this episode, we'll dive into one of the most innovative follow-up strategies for real estate investors, the rejection letter method, and start turning no's into yeses. You'll learn from a successful investor who used this technique to close 55 deals in just 18 months. But that's not all. We'll also be joined by a very special guest, Kansas City Chief and Super Bowl champion Matt Bushman, who will share his inspiring journey from the football field to real estate investing. Matt will also share insights into his philanthropic work and how he's making a difference in the lives of less fortunate youth. So get ready to learn, be inspired, and take your investing game to the next level. Hey, strap in. It's time for the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. We'll be your guides as we navigate the housing market, the landscape of creative financing strategies, and everything you need to swap that office chair for a beach chair. If you're looking for some one-on-one help, meet us at reiace.com. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Hey, I just finished up a masterclass on the art of the follow-up using creative financing strategies. And it's already been a game changer for all of those that attended. And, and one of the follow-up strategies that I covered was inspired by my private client, Josh Miller. And what he did is he took a basic tool that I gave him and he called it the rejection letter. And he used it in an entirely different way. I mean, it's freaking genius what he did. He, he sent this letter to every seller who ever rejected him. And you won't believe what happened next. I mean, in just 18 months, he sent out about 1,100 of these letters and it resulted in 55 extra closed deals during that period. Yeah, 55 extra deals. I know so many people that run away from or just completely avoid rejection, but Josh used it as fuel. He used it as an opportunity because here's what we know. 80% of all sales require at least five follow-up touches after that initial meeting, but most people, they give up after just two. So understanding that like Josh, that creates a significant opportunity for you. It's easy to beat your competition and dominate your market when all you have to do is just stay in touch with your leads. And sending out these letters is just another way to stay in touch. So this letter, it's the three option letter of intent that I use to build my entire portfolio without ever needing a bank. But Josh, he modified it a bit into really a two option letter of intent. So Josh's version, it works like this. You see, option one is the low ball all cash offer, which is pretty self-explanatory. Then option two is a retail price offer, but it's seller financed, which is essentially the middle ground. But option three, now this is where the magic comes in. Option three is where you tell the seller to choose their price and you'll introduce them to your real estate agent. Now you might be wondering why this option is magic. Well, it's all about positioning. You see, by giving the seller the choice to name their price, you're indirectly showing them how unrealistic they're, they're willing to be. And the only way that they have a shot at that price is by going with a real estate agent option. But since they called you instead of an agent, that's probably not the option that they want. So it's a little bit of a, a Jedi mind trick that narrows their choice down to just these two options. So I started doing this because I recognized the genius in it. But then I didn't count on this part. You see, for those that did actually choose the agent option, 
the agents that I would refer them to would routinely, you know, drop the ball and not close the listing and they would, I would lose the lead. And you know what that means? There was no referral fee in it for me. So I reverted back to my three option version, but I changed one of my options. And this has turned out to be a much better alternative. I inserted a novation arrangement into the three options. I mean, I can't believe it took me this long to, to figure that part out, but hey, better late than never, right? So here's how it works. Option one is still the same. That's the low ball all cash offer for those who want to sell quickly. Then there's option two. This is a bit different though. It's still a cash offer, but now the seller has to wait 60 to 90 business days to get their proceeds. And then there's option three, which is essentially the same as the previous option two, close to retail, but seller financed. But here's the real game changer. You see with option two, I'm able to take the seller's property out to the open market and hire the real estate agent myself. And what that means is I'm not at the mercy of cash buyers like I would be with an assignment or a wholesale deal. Plus, I'm in charge of the whole thing, and I don't have to rely on the agent to get the listing first. So now I'm the captain of the ship for all three options. And considering that 85% of home sales use a real estate agent to sell their home, by hiring the agent myself, I'm able to tap into that much larger market more often and reach many more buyers than I would if I were limited to just investor cash buyers. So we use this three option letter of intent in three different ways as a direct mail piece is the first way. I mean, did you know that the average home seller receives 12 direct mail pieces from real estate investors each month? So that's a lot of competition. So by using this three option letter of intent in a unique and visually compelling way, we're able to stand out from the crowd and, and really just to get that phone ring. And then we use it as a negotiating piece, a visual negotiating tool so that the seller can just get a good grasp on what we're presenting. And then we use it as a follow-up tool, like how I just walked you through. But no matter how we use it, the objective is always the same. The objective is just to get the phone to ring us, to get the seller to call us back. So here, let me show you what this looks like graphically. So you've got this axis. The vertical line here represents the price that we pay. And the horizontal line represents the time of which we take to pay it. Got it? Now, if we were to graph that three option letter of intent that I'm using now, it would look something like this. So option one, it's the low ball all cash offer which means we pay less, but we pay it quickly. So 55, 60% is typically what we do of the ARV and we close fast. So this is where wholesalers operate. Now, option two, this is now my novation offer where I offer a little bit more money, 65 to 75% of the ARV. And we just take a little longer to pay it, 60 to 90 business days. And a big shout out to Eric Brewer for this tip. It's really changed the game over here for us. And then option three, the seller financed offer where we can offer 75 to 100% of ARV and in some cases even higher, but we just take much longer to pay it. We pay it out over time. So the vertical axis, it represents price. We've got high, we've got low, very simple. Every seller understands this part, but the horizontal line represents how long that we take to pay that price. You know, as real estate investors, we purchase properties in one of two ways by either the seller's price in our terms or our price in the seller's terms. As long as we can control just one of those, the price or the terms, we can always make a deal for ourselves. So, I mean, I can pay you, Mr. Seller, now if you'd like, if you agree to my price, or I'd be happy to pay your price, Mr. Seller, if you could take some money now and the rest later. And later can be defined in almost an infinite number of ways. You see, you're only limited by your own creativity and the number of financing terms that you have available in your brain. You know, terms like seller finance, subject to moratorium, deferment, balloon, wrap, lease, novation, interest, escalating interest, amortization, augmented amortization, subordination, substitution, payoff incentives, performance guarantees, equity sharing, equity protection. I mean, that was another tip that Eric gave me. Totally ingenious. So by using the three option letter of intent, 
as a follow-up tool, what it does is it opens you up to all of the possibilities that you see right here. Not once has a seller ever called me and said, hey, I'll take option three. No, it's always something like, you know, I like option three, but can I get a bigger down payment? Or can I get a higher interest rate? Or can I get a shorter payment term? And regardless of what they say, now you're in business because you can always say yes. You know, Mr. Seller, I'd be willing to do that for you if you'd be willing to do this for me. And then you just scroll through all of your financing terms, the one that you see here, and just kind of introduce the one that counterbalances at the seller's request. And that's how you end up doing win-win deals. And that's how you maximize your marketing budgets and close more deals altogether. So right now I'm looking for five aspiring investors who are already marketing, they're already generating leads, they're already talking to sellers who want to smash a really big goal by the end of the year. And incorporating these types of follow-up strategies and creatively financed deals, that can be a big part of your goal. We'll be back with more right after this. Matt Terrio, investor, tell us where the deals are. Today's property is in Birmingham, Alabama. And tell us what the numbers are. This charming craftsman's cottage has been lovingly updated, making it the perfect place for a growing family to call home. With three cozy bedrooms, a bright living area, and a pet-friendly fenced-in backyard, your tenants will have everything they need to make lasting memories. When they step inside and they'll immediately notice the natural light that floods the interior thanks to the home's large windows, with a keyless entry system, they and their family can rest easy knowing that they're secure. The wide front yard is the perfect spot for barbecues and family fun. Located in a family-friendly area, your tenants will have access to top-rated schools like Hillview Elementary and Minor Middle and High School. And with easy access to Highway 75 and nearby groceries and convenience stores, they'll never have to go far to get what they need. But the real treasure of this property is its proximity to nature. Just a short drive away, the Railroad Park Foundation offers a tranquil escape from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. If you're looking for a property that is both a comfortable family home and a smart investment opportunity, look no further. This property is a gem and will bring in cash flow for years to come. Don't wait. For more information on this property and others like it, go to cashflowsavvy.com. Ever hear someone say, I have too much money? Me neither. Let's get you some more. Back to the show. Today, I'm bringing you an inspiring story from a successful investor who's making a difference in the world. And in addition to being a real estate investor, he happens to be a Super Bowl champion. Before I introduce him, though, I'm looking right now for five aspiring investors who are already marketing they're already generating some leads. They're already talking to sellers who really just want to smash a big goal by the end of the year. So our guest today, as a professional football player, he knows firsthand how important it is to have a solid financial plan for the future. And that's why he's turned to real estate investing and he's here to share his journey with us. But he's not just a champion football player and a successful investor. He's also a philanthropist. His nonprofit organization is dedicated to providing sports opportunities to the less fortunate youth, and he's making a real impact on the lives of children all across the country. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from one of the most successful athletes turned real estate investors in the game, you're really in for a treat today. So please help me welcome to the show, Kansas City Chief and Super Bowl champion, Matt Bushman. Matt, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. 
Hey, what's so, up? So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. So thanks for reaching out. I appreciate that. And uh, I can't wait to get to know you better. Where are you uh, calling from right now? I'm in Kansas City right now. So okay. the draft is about to, it's about to hit off here in like an hour or two. Got it. Did they did not choose the first one, first person yet? We got a defensive end actually last night. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, he was like a hometown kid. He played at K-State. So it's going to be exciting to see. Hopefully not so many tight ends get drafted, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, right? Got yeah, the, the competition. Yeah, my son is so into the draft and he tells me all about it. And I'm just like, how do, where do you find all this stuff? The internet, everything is there. Yeah. But anyway, I was just kind of curious, like, you know, you, you kind of reached the pinnacle of, of what professional football players want to achieve. And that is winning a Super Bowl. But what was the earliest memory that you have now looking back, the earliest memory you have of playing football? And when did you know that you wanted to pursue it as a yeah, I'd say the earliest memory that I have was I grew up in New Orleans for a little bit and they had tackle football for like four and five year old kids. So okay. I was a little, you know, just a tiny little kid out there, full pad, mm-hmm. just getting after it. And that was a lot of fun. And I'd say in high school is kind of when I realized my coaches were like, hey, if you keep this up, you keep improving year after year, you can, you can do it. You can go all the way. So, you know, that just motivated me little by little. There were always setbacks, but. Yeah, I'm super grateful to to be where I'm at right now. That's awesome. So you went to uh, Arizona. You're a Wildcat. Tell us about that and what you learned from that experience in college just before you went pro. I actually went to BYU, but I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. So I was almost, okay. there, I was almost a Wildcat. Uh, I got a weird Wikipedia page then, so sorry about that. No, don't worry at all. Don't worry at all. all. Right. Yeah, college was cool. So I was recruited to play football and baseball, and I almost went to Arizona. So maybe that was a salty, salty Arizona fan that, that wanted me to go there. <laughs> so BYU was awesome. It was up in Utah. I had some family there, so it was cool. The seasons were kind of up and down as, as my career went on, but I was fortunate enough to play right away as a freshman and, you know, learn through experience out there. And that was, it was cool. I had success and I feel like I just kept getting better and better as the years went on. It's awesome. So now that you are a Super Bowl champion, looking back, what's been your biggest lesson from sports that you've carried over into your personal and business growth? I would say one of the biggest things is is just the importance of staying in the present, like just focus on control what you can control because, man, there's so many things. My senior year of, of college, I was supposed to have my best season, was going to have this crazy year. It was uh, when Zach Wilson who plays mm-hmm. for the Jets now, had his kind of takeoff year that got him drafted. Going into that year, I tore my Achilles and I couldn't control any of that. So I was super, I was bummed for a while. Like, man, this is supposed to be it. I was supposed to get drafted, keep right. going and have all this, this awesome story. But yeah, popped my Achilles, couldn't play football, couldn't get that film out there. So it was mainly just like, hey, you need to, you need to control what you can control. Stay in the present. Focus on those little victories and, you know, stack each day and get better and better. And wherever the chips fall, I'll be ready for it. So, so I didn't have an ideal necessarily like this draft coming right starting up right now. It wasn't ideal for me. I went, I watched the whole thing, had all the calls with the teams and interviews. I went undrafted, but just to say that I'm here and I I was able to overcome that injury. I feel like I've grown, I've grown a lot personally and, and in the sport. Mm-hmm. That's a big injury. That's a career ender for a lot of people. What was the, yeah. the recovery? Was it a long recovery? Like they say it is. 
Yeah. So they have this a little bit of a newer procedure that they do that gets mm-hmm. guys back a little bit faster, but I was cleared at about six to seven months. So it was right before the BYU pro day. I was able to get on the field and at least run routes and show that I can still play. But it probably took about a year until I was really feeling like myself and confident actually yeah. out there. Yeah. I can only imagine. Was it, is it a painful injury? Yeah. I mean, you see like Kobe Bryant where he was able, like his snapped and then he, he was able to kind of limp back onto the court and make right. those free throws. I mean, he's a different, he's a different beast. For me, I was, I was running a fade route. So right when I turned my head to look to see where the ball was, I just felt this huge snap in my calf. So mm-hmm. it felt like I got shot or got kicked like super, super hard. And then I, my calf just cramped up like crazy. So I was like, man, I, have, I either have the worst cramp or like Charlie horse my calf right now or, or I popped my Achilles. And yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking about was watching Kobe. And it was just like, you know, he walked back out there and I was like, well, that injury must not hurt that bad. But you could see how like his leg was almost dead. Like his foot was almost yeah. dead. Right. Yeah. It's like a complete drop foot right. and you're just, right. there's nothing so weird imagine i can't imagine actually because that sounds terrible <laughs> what what are some misconceptions that people have about the financial realities of professional sports and how have you been able to navigate those challenges yeah i mean you assume that every every nfl player professional athlete is you see their salary and you're like oh they're making that but then you in the nfl at least almost all salaries aren't guaranteed so you're just going week by week and if you're, you're still on the team, then you get that week's cut. Uh, baseball is awesome because they get that guaranteed salary. Basketball, they get, they get a ton of money. So mm-hmm. football, you see like, okay, this guy, like as an undrafted free agent, it's like, oh, Matt Bushman just signed a three-year, $1.5 million deal or whatever. But you don't see nearly any of that if you're mm-hmm. – because you, you can get cut. You can get put down on the practice squad. So there's all these different things where it's like to the, to the public's view, it's like, man, that's a, that's a millionaire. But in reality, now you're really just, uh, you're going week by week, hoping you're still in the squad. So mm-hmm. you have to get your financial things in order or else they say the NFL stands for not for long. And it's also pretty much the average, like almost like 90% of the players go bankrupt after, after they're done playing. So yeah, that's a real stat, huh? Yeah. Sure. So it's pretty, it's unfortunate to see. Yeah, no, sad. It's sad, really. Especially like the, the, your idols from way back in the day and that didn't make the type of money that the players make today. And now you're just kind of wondering what they're going through. You know, I, I hang out with the guy that's been trying to make the, the PGA tour forever. He's just about to give up. It's about, I don't know, 20 years doing it. And then I just coincidentally had dinner at a group of a table with a group of people and I sat next to a tennis player who was trying kind of on the same journey, trying to make the USTA tour and. They have something in there that I didn't realize that because it's so expensive to travel as far as to go to all the golf tournaments and then have to travel the world to go to all the Denver different tennis tournaments. Like there's sponsors that come and kind of scoop you up right when you get out of college and you start to make that transition. And they have a piece of your pie for essentially the rest of your career, like if they foot the bill for your plane and everything like that. Is there something okay. equivalent like that in football? I would just say pretty much every athlete gets a, has an agent. Lamar Jackson's probably the only one that 
that hasn't had one. And that was awesome for him because he just signed like the highest, he's the highest paid quarterback right now. And he doesn't have no, to give that three. That. Yeah. So he doesn't wow. have to give a percentage, but almost, I think every other player pays about 3% to your agent. So okay. there's a piece of that. If you sign a big deal, you're, you're giving them a big chunk. You also usually sign a financial advisor and they usually charge a point of your financial gain. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's little things like that. And then there's also, I guess, a lot of shysters out there that will also try to take your money and, and pose as some legit person. And then also, you know, take your investment and right. hurt you. That's, so that's, that's every industry. Yeah, it's everywhere. Super. So, you know, you, you're just a, a couple years in the NFL, right? Just two, mm-hmm. three years. All right. Yep. So based on the, what you sent to me, it was like, okay, so how did you get so smart and realize that you had to, to take advantage of your opportunity and start investing for your future right away? And what made you choose real estate? Yeah, I would say probably my junior, senior year of college, I was able to meet some cool people. They, there's a lot of like tech startups and successful people that are in like door-to-door sales in, mm-hmm. in the Utah area. So I was able to meet a couple of those like VPs and he, he was a BYU fan and we kind of had like a little, I guess a little mastermind type thing where he kind of told his story and then just gave us advice on where we need to start out and how to do things. So he was talking a lot about real estate. He's an avid book reader and he had a library in his house and he was like, okay, if you come, if you come to my house, read this book and give me a little book report, you can have any book in my library for as long as you want. So. I thought that was super cool. The first book that I read was, was a rich dad, poor dad. And the more that I listen to real estate podcasts, like so many people say that's their biggest influence as a, as a real estate related book or business related book. And yeah, that just kind of put my mind in a blender. And I was like, Oh wow, this is, there's some things that I need to change. And if I do it, it can be a cool life and things I can, I can achieve some cool things from there on. The way that he was talking about real estate and and the importance of it and how you just need to kind of chip away little by little. I was I got married and I'm married right now. So I have I have a two-year-old daughter. I was like, all right, we need to instead of just renting in college, let's just buy a little a little condo in a in the nearby town. So we got a condo and then after a year or two in the NFL, we ended up buying a place and Instead of selling it, we just, we started renting out that condo as a long-term rental. And that was kind of the, the very beginning stages. And I was just like, man, this is, this is really cool. If I can hold on to my properties and acquire more, like there's some, yeah. there's some sweet things that I can do. Yeah. I wish they would have taught us that in high school. I always think about the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he's been on the show a couple of times and God, if they just swapped out, say, Catcher in the Rye and just put that one in its place. Like, yeah. what an impact that would have had on so many different people's lives. Cause you know, you only need a dozen properties and you're set for the rest of your life, you know? And if you would have started out of high school with that knowledge, I think uh, everybody would be in a very different situation. Definitely. So walk us through your, your first real estate investment and what did you learn from it? So that first one was a condo. Mm-hmm. It's called, it's in a town called Vineyard, Utah. It's like 20 minutes from Provo where BYU is. So yeah, it was a $265,000 condo. And my wife and I at the time as college students were like, holy cow, how are we going to, how are we going to afford this? This is crazy. Right. And yeah, we just put as much as we could, the, like the lowest percentage down on a, 
on the loan and down payment everything. And we just made it work, but it's gone up in value like crazy because it's a condo. The HOA kind of takes some of the cash flow away, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but we still cash flow a few hundred dollars a month. But what's been crazy to see is from 2020 until now is the appreciation on that condo is it's gone up probably at least a hundred thousand dollars in value. And yeah, I'm just finding ways. I just did a, a cost segregation study and I'm trying to find ways to make my wife and I a uh, real estate professional so that we can benefit from all that bonus depreciation and different things so that we can get rolling into more properties and hopefully a vacation rental here soon. For sure. Super. Did your wife work? She doesn't. She's a stay-at-home mom right now. Okay. I'll just get the real estate license and now you're a professional. I know. With all that benefit off the off that NFL money. That'd be a brilliant yeah. plan. They just we used to get taxed like crazy um, mm-hmm. in the NFL. So yeah, if there's any way I've talked to a couple of different people just to try to make it attainable. So either a real estate professional or a real estate agent or a couple other things. So yeah, it's exciting. Yep. For a married couple, the, the agent thing is just so easy, particularly if she, it's a stay-at-home mom, just get the license and that's what she classifies on her taxes and you both are good to go. You get the benefit from that. Sweet. So tell us about your investment strategy today and, and what are you looking for right now? How are you going about finding profitable deals and you know what does that process look like for you right now? I'd say last, last it was going into training camp last year. I was fortunate enough to be kind of through networking opportunities to be able to put some money into a into a syndication. So it was a value add. They focus on value add and they it's all multifamily properties here in the Midwest, actually. So there's some Kansas City apartments, some in Louisville, Kentucky, and Dallas, and then a couple of gas stations also. But yeah, so that's been a, another thing that I've been able to kind of dabble into that's more hands-off. But the strategy now has been kind of just when I'm not in season is trying to find mentors in different real estate areas to see what really pumps me up and makes me want to really dive into that, focus all the way on that. And so I was in Dallas um, throwing with Mahomes and some of the other tight ends, receivers, running backs here a couple of weeks ago. And I was able to meet this mentor and he, he really focuses on vacation rentals and more of like high end vacation rentals. So it's not just a, the typical Airbnb that can get lost in the dust. So he's done really well with that. And he kind of finds markets that aren't oversaturated and that can, that will be a vacation destination. So that's been something is learning from this mentor, trying to take his advice. And I'm really, that's probably my main focus right now is finding a vacation rental. Cause that can also, if I'm not a real estate professional, I can also use those active gains or losses against uh, my NFL income. Sweet, sweet. I just uh, recognize what you said. You're just throwing the ball with Mahomes. I was like, oh, that's just nonchalantly. Um, that's awesome. So great. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh. The, my 10-year-old self would probably be freaking out if I knew what I was doing nowadays. So it's cool. Yeah, he's remarkable. So yeah, as, as you're looking at different strategies, you, you've got mentors and stuff, which gosh, I wish they would have taught me that in the school too. I didn't know that was such a shortcut. Right. You know, th- there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. And there, there's such a a give and take of whether it takes your time or your knowledge or your credit or your money, and you can participate in so many different ways. How are you kind of balancing the demands of your football career with your real estate investments? Or is it just all football right now? We just kind of dabble on the side or how are you balancing that? 
I'd love to say that it's 50-50. I mean, there's parts of this is the football season where it's like, okay, I need to, I need to be all in. And uh, like training camp, for example, mm-hmm. the Chiefs, they put us in a, a D2 college in St. Joe, Missouri, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you're living in the dorm. So, and you're going from like 7 a.m. until 8, 9 at night. So, yeah, I'd say in that situation, it's all football. But mm-hmm. the schedule right now isn't as crazy. So, right now, it's, I'm focusing on real estate, trying to find ways to see if I can find deals or, yeah, just connect with people so I can eventually take off and keep stacking these properties. So, it just depends on the on where the season's at. So right now the off season, I'm like, okay, it's, it's real estate time, but there's just a, it's a weird balance. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So tell us about your nonprofit organization and why it's important to you. Yeah, it's a, it's just called the Matt Bushman foundation. And we find ways to give sports opportunities to, to less fortunate kids. And it's been awesome. So JJ Watt was, I saw some video about him and, and his foundation, how he started it in college. And I was just like, man, this, that's pretty cool that he was able to do that in college and, and make such an impact. And his is worldwide, like his is massive. Right. So my senior year, I was like, man, I, I think this is really cool. I want to, I want to do this. I want to give back to kids. And I had my brother-in-law who's an attorney kind of helped me do all that, that stuff while I was playing. And yeah, now it's a, it's a 501 C3. It's an official, official nonprofit. And we found ways to give back when I was playing for the Raiders, my rookie year, giving back to some of those youth foundations helped, helped some teams get some jerseys or uniforms or gear. We sponsored uh, young kids who can't afford to like get onto teams. Mm-hmm. Cause man, those youth sports, they, they get expensive these days. And I have a mm-hmm. daughter, I'm not looking forward to paying for all those fees, but. Yeah, this foundation like, just helps. She doesn't play hockey because that's an expensive one. My, yeah. My son, yeah, oh my God, stuff that you got to buy for that sport. <laughs> yeah, let's mm-hmm. hope not. I don't know much about hockey, so that would be interesting. Other than what I had to pay for. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so we just, there's a lot of kids out there that can't afford those fees and just learning and seeing where we can, where, where we can give back. It's been super cool. And I was able to host about a month ago a, a little football camp in, in Utah back by BYU. And that was awesome just to let these kids rub shoulders with college and NFL players and show mm-hmm. them that it's possible. So it's fun to, you know, dedicate time to them too. Awesome. Yeah, evidence of, of success goes a long way in people's belief. And if they get to associate with that, I can see how that have a big impact. So as, let me just ask you this. You might've already answered at the beginning. Maybe it's the same answer. But, you know, interacting with the kids and like that, and, and, you know, you have your pep talks and your motivational speeches probably, and you give an advice. What's kind of the most common advice that you pass down to the kids? Some of that advice is kind of what I said is about like control what you can control. Don't worry so much about what everyone's thinking of you. Because a lot of times when you're a kid or in middle school when everyone's so, <laughs> they're like, I don't know, we're just not very confident in ourselves you realize that that's literally everyone. And even at this age, there's people that are so insecure. And right. It's all thinking about like, oh, well, this person has this, or I don't have that. And if you just focus on yourself and try to be better, try to do what you got to do to improve every day, mm-hmm. you'll look back and be like, man, I'm, I'm way more confident. I'm not, I'm not worrying so much about what others think. So mm-hmm. those are just little things where I'm like, man, why did I worry so much about if this is cool or if I fit in? So 
I just try to, yeah, I try to tell some of the kids that like, cause I know they're going through it cause we all go through it. Yep. Yep. And how old are you, Matt? I'm 27. 27. Okay. Well, you're getting close to the 30 because what I've noticed, I look back at different milestones as you're kind of saying right now, wow, I wish I wouldn't put so much thought or weight on, you know, what people thought of me in high school and that type of thing. And then once you hit 30, you kind of look like, oh, look what I did in my 20s. I was such a goofball. And then you hit your 40s. Yeah. You're like, okay, now I finally think I know a little something about life. I was just fooling myself all through my 30s. And then, then now when I hit 50, I was like, you know what? I should have trusted my gut much more often in life because my gut was always right. And if you just kind of focus on that, but you kind of hit these moments where you have these different life lessons, you know? Um, yeah. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. If uh, someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? I'd say I'm most active just on Instagram. If you just look okay. Matt Bushman, look up that. Yeah, that's me. So, well, let's stay in touch and let's do this again and, and keep us up to date with your progress. Sound good? Yes, it'd be awesome. Hopefully next time I have a lot more properties and we can talk way more about that. Totally, totally. And if you need any help, I'm always here to help you too. No, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. You bet. You have a good one. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. Mainstream media is ripping us apart. This is news to bring us together and make some money in the process. Good news for property owners. The housing market correction that was expected to cool off home prices has lost steam, according to an article in Fortune magazine. Updated home price forecasts suggest that the national housing market will continue to see modest gains throughout the year. According to CoreLogic, national home prices have just hit bottom, marking the end of a year-long slump. This news comes as a relief for many who have been worried about the state of the housing market. Some experts predict that home prices will begin to rise again in the coming months, while others are predicting a further downturn. What they all seem to agree on, however, the long-term forecast for real estate investments is very positive. In other housing market news, it looks like the spring season is shaping up to be a strong one for sellers. The New York Times reports that there is a shortage of homes for sale in many markets, leading to bidding wars and rising prices again. While this may be frustrating for buyers, it's a great time to be a seller. And in sports, the NFL draft picks have been announced. 259 prospects heard their names called as they officially became NFL players. It started last Thursday night when the Carolina Panthers selected Alabama quarterback Bryce Young with the number one pick. The 2021 Heisman Trophy winner will join a rebuilding team with first-year head coach Frank Reich, who previously led the Indianapolis Colts. And finally, in golf news, Tony Finau has won the Mexico Open and overcame tough competition to come out on top, delighting his fans and solidifying his status as a top golfer. Congratulations to Tony Finau on his impressive win. And that's it for the epic news. It's not a passing fad, it's the future of money. What happened this week in cryptocurrency? It's an exciting time to be a crypto enthusiast, with new developments and innovations happening every day. Here are some of the latest stories that have caught our attention. First up, Bitcoin use cases are seeing explosive growth as more and more people trust in the power of machines. From mining to trading, Bitcoin is proving to be a game changer in the world of finance. And with more businesses and individuals adopting this technology, 
it's clear that Bitcoin is here to stay. Second, Bitcoin has set a new record of daily transactions, with more people than ever before using this cryptocurrency for their financial needs. And coincidentally, or not coincidentally, on the same day, the U.S. government quietly engineered a bank buyout, further highlighting the growing importance of digital currencies in today's world. But it's not just Bitcoin that's making waves in the crypto world. Sotheby's, the prestigious auction house, has announced the launch of its on-chain secondary NFT marketplace. This is a major development for the NFT market, as it brings more legitimacy and accessibility to this growing industry. Overall, it's clear that cryptocurrency is changing the game when it comes to finance and investment. With new use cases, record-breaking transactions, and major players getting involved, it's an exciting time to be a part of this world. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.